You're listening to episode 51 of the Curiosity Club podcast. Welcome to the Curiosity Club podcast, a safe place to get your weekly dose of life lessons, helping you let go of fear, overwhelm and insecurities. I'm your host, Katri Barrett, and with each episode, I share my insights and practical skills for you to unlock your full potential. Live and work confidently. Be courageous. Be curious. Because life's too short to keep holding yourself back. Hello, hello, lovely, lovely people. How are you all doing? So here we are in the second week of January, second week of the new decade. How's it going for you so far? It's a good opportunity to kind of check in after the kind of chaos and busyness that often comes with New Year and Christmas, kind of beginning to get back into the swing of things. So checking in with yourself, how are you doing? Are things going as you'd like them to be? Are you feeling how you'd like to? And if not, why? What's what's going on for you? What is preventing you from either doing or feeling how you want? And just think of one thing you can do this week that will take you one step closer to how you want to be living, feeling, or something you want to do. Be that saying no to something. Be that saying yes to something. Trying something new. Sending an email. Scheduling an email. Asking for help. What can you do? Just one small thing this week that can help you get closer to be living and being who and where you want to be. Before I introduce you to today's very special guest, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who sent me birthday wishes and congratulations, because as some of you know, on my 30th birthday, which was last week, so big birthday, I think I mentioned it the previous week, I had a double surprise as my uh, boyfriend or now fiance I suppose proposed to me on my birthday morning and then we had a surprise trip to Rome for a few days so I am still on a high from that very exciting and thank you for everyone who sent me your lovely lovely messages I appreciate each and every one um it's a pretty brilliant way to start the new decade I have to admit especially when it was such a surprise I think it's made me realize that I've never had such a big surprise before, so it's very, very lovely. I'm feeling very warm and very fuzzy at the moment. But let me dive into today's episode for you and introduce you to our special guest, Sarah Rose Bright. Sarah is a leading certified sex, pleasure and intimacy coach who empowers women and couples to discover and express their true sexual nature. She's a pioneer as the UK's first certified sex coach, founder of Ignite Your Sexuality and V-Life. She has worked with hundreds of people to awaken their sexuality, discover and express their true sexual nature and live their full potential. In our conversation today, we dive into what it means to ignite your pleasure, what goal-oriented sex means and a better alternative to it. And how you too can use your sexuality to help you tap into your full potential. 
We also talk about confidence in the bedroom, fear and comparison. And Sarah debunks some of the biggest myths that lots of us have been misled by for far too long surrounding sex and pleasure. I hope you enjoy this episode. Why not share it with your partner so that you can both be on the same page with regard this topic? Would be useful, wouldn't it? And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review telling us what you enjoyed most about this episode. What was your biggest takeaway, the most useful insight? I read and appreciate each and every one because it really does help others find the podcast who need to hear it most. As a thank you, I'd love to give you a little shout out over on Instagram. So do take a screenshot of this episode whilst you're listening and tag me in it at Katri Barrett. So welcome to the Curiosity Club, Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm really good, thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. And I think a great place to start would be to tell us a little bit about what you do and, and how you kind of got to where you are today. Okay, fantastic. So my I call myself a sex, pleasure and intimacy coach. So working with people around those three areas. And I help mainly women and couples to find their sort of authentic sexual selves and often there's so many shoulds and expectations of how we should be and really tune into what's really real for them how to voice that to how to express that and also through that how to unlock more potential in the rest of their lives because often when we are holding back or we're blocked in our sexual lives that's a mirror of everything else so um, I really see when I work with clients how that really um, life changes in, in really magical ways when they start to address this area. And I got into this work um, not because I was great at this area of my life, but because it was actually a source of a lot of challenge for me. Um, and I was actually really scared of sex, didn't know what I wanted, didn't know how to ask for it, didn't like my body, didn't like my genitals, very low self-esteem. And it just got to a stage um, about 15 years ago where I thought something had to shift with this, approaching my 30th birthday. And then I took the sort of bravest step of my life was to get some support with this. Um, And here I am 15 years later, and I did not anticipate doing this for a career at all. Um, But it's now my absolute passion to share positive communications and channels to um, talk about this area of our lives because it's such a source of struggle for varying degrees for many many people Mm, absolutely it is and that's one of the main reasons why i wanted to get you on today and i already know there's going to be lots and lots of questions that i i'm going to want to ask you as i think it's absolutely fascinating and and so so needed i i know with my coaching clients as well even though i i don't coach around sex lots of people come with um feeling anxious or or come to work on areas of confidence and and i and that and feeling confident around sex and perhaps um sort of denying themselves the pleasure often often comes comes up a lot and sort of my next question would be how you you mentioned there that um you see magical kind of changes and shifts um, within the clients you work with. Can you tell us a little bit more about those and, and what those shifts look like? Yeah, so I love the, um, it's a T. Harvey Ecker, the quite famous coach says, how we are, something like how we are in anything is how we are in everything. 
And so often the patterns that we have sexually can be a, a mirror for the rest of our lives and also shut us down. So if we're, for example, if we're experiencing a sexual problem, we may well not have anybody that we can talk to openly and honestly about it. We can feel that we're the only one. That's not uncommon. People, because it's not talked about naturally and healthily, people think they must be the only one struggling with it. Um, and that can just compound and get worse over time. And then we feel more down around ourselves. It can feel more like, oh, I've maybe failed. We're in comparison, all these different patterns we can get into. And if that's happening at such a core, intimate part of ourselves, that inevitably shows up in the rest of our lives. So it's really not uncommon that people, as they start to get sexual problems, start to withdraw in other areas of their lives or not show up so fully. So they may be don't take risks in dating or in work or um, they um, don't feel so great about themselves. So that negativity starts to seep in. Um, so there's all sorts of patterns that can happen, but just as just and also and if we're not feeling confident as a lover or as a partner, and you know we're worrying how to do it better, how to be a better lover, am I getting this right? All the sort of things I commonly hear from my clients, it just affects everything, and so it starts to shut things down. But the beauty of it is, it also can open all these things up. So our sexuality, I like to reframe it not just as something that exists in relation to a sexual act or um, in relation to somebody else. Our sexual energy, our sexual power is our life force. And the more we cultivate and catalyze that, it opens up our creativity. It opens up more of our power, our sort of our just our vitality, our magnetism. Um, and it's something that the tantrikas and the Taoists have, have known for years, even uh, Think and Grow Rich, the famous book by Napoleon Hill from the 20s, 1920s or 30s, talks about the power of sexual energy for creativity and manifestation and success in business, for example. So what it shuts down, it could also open up. And that's why people come to me often with a sexual problem, thinking they want to sort this sexual problem out in isolation. But actually, the whole of their life changes because we start to also ask very deep questions. Well, what is it that you truly want as a sexual being? What is it that truly turns you on? And what is it that truly brings you pleasure? And inevitably, those questions start to ripple out again into the rest of their lives. So actually, I'm realizing, if I'm honest, I don't like my work or I really would love to be doing this, but I don't allow myself to do it. So the questions really ripple out. And that's where some of the magic happens. Really, it really does sound powerful when you put it like that and the fact that it isn't just about sex I think in, especially in our culture and being British in particular I think um, the kind of conversations around sex when, certainly when I was growing up and when we're growing up it's, it's seen as kind of taboo to talk about you, we had minimal and very uh, I don't even know how to describe it the sex education that, that we kind of tend I don't know if it's still the same now but that we had at school very clinical and nothing the language there's so much more empowering that you were using that magnetism and and using it to tap into our full full potential how how much would you or do you think that the lack of education and the fact that it's sort of a taboo subject feeds into the problems that you see your clients coming to you with massively 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 i'd love to have some way of doing an audit because i think you know, ultimately, I probably wouldn't see at least half my clients if they'd have had good sex education. 
And the sex education is not only clinical, it's also very fear-based. So it's how not to get pregnant, how not to catch STIs, how not to do things. But it's not positively encouraging in terms of how do you learn about your pleasure? How do you learn about consent and communication and boundaries and and, and intimacy? Um, So, you know, we have little education coupled with the fact that most of us don't have positive role models around sex and intimacy in our, our home lives and with our main carers. And we don't talk about it openly and honestly. And so it just, you know, for some people, they... They, 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 that, that's not a problem, but for many people, that's a massive issue. And we don't have a language that we're comfortable with it. You know, I work with people in their 40s and 50s, who, 30s, 40s, 50s, who don't have a name for their own genitals that they feel comfortable with. And, you know, how can you ask for pleasure if you're not comfortable with certain parts of your body? Um, it's really going to affect your pleasure. So the education piece is massive, um, really, really, really significantly massive. And it's an and education is lifelong learning. You know, if you wanting to master or learn how to cook or dance or play a sport, you're continually having time to practice and learn. And we don't seem to have that. It's one of the biggest myths around sex is that we should all just know what to do and be really good at it. Um, but actually, we do need to say, I don't know all, all there is to know about this. You know, I've been studying this for 15 years and I'm still learning. There's so much to learn and explore. And actually creating time to practice, creating time to study and learn. But what I find is people are scared of saying they don't know about this area because their sexual identity is um, so wrapped up in feeling that they need to know everything. And to say that I don't know everything can be a very vulnerable place, but also it's a place of a lot of opportunity. So I think it's really great to sort of, um, if we haven't had that education in our our teenagers, to get that education now. Um, There's so many books and courses and coaches and all sorts of things out there these days that are available um, to really, um, like like anything, to spend time practicing and learning. Mm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you were saying about well that the observation you made about all the sex education we received as being fear-based. I hadn't quite kind of thought of it like that, but it's true. It was all about don't get pregnant, or especially being a girl in, in those classes, don't get pregnant, don't get um, an STI, rather than you know, this is such a natural part of life and, and how to enjoy it for yourself, how to feel comfortable and how to set boundaries, because I think that... Being able, especially as a young girl and as a teenage girl, um, and for everyone as well, but to, to have the confidence to be able to speak about this and have the language, like you said, even just the sim- simple ways, as you mentioned, to be able to name your genitals in a way you feel comfortable, that's when you're going to be able to set those healthy boundaries within relationships and when you kind of become sexually active. Do you, do you see boundaries as... Um, is, is that something that, that you see people struggling and, and that feeling comfortable to express what they desire? Absolutely. It's, a, it's something I work with all the time with clients is um, f- helping them to get to know and articulate their boundaries and doing that in a way that's healthy because we maybe had either lives where we've had no boundaries or the boundaries that we've had are so harsh and hard um, that we have to learn healthy boundaries um, or they've come with so many conditions or um, all sorts of different things. So the boundaries is, is um, you know, it's an absolute key part of it. And it's not that 
it's, it's not just that people don't know how to communicate. Many people I work with don't even know what they want. So if I was to say, what, what, what gives you pleasure? What do you enjoy sexually? They simply can't answer that. Um, and so sometimes, um, you know, but I would, I love reframing that as an opportunity to really discover what is it that you truly, truly want. So, um, so finding what you truly want, what's authentically true for you and being able to articulate that and be clear with your boundaries around that is a huge part of what I do with clients. Mm. And, and with, um, you mentioned sort of a few, a few things there and about fear being a big problem and that comparison and, and setting the boundaries, like you said. What else are the most sort of common um, issues around surrounding sexuality and intimacy that you, you see and help your clients with? And, and what is the journey that you take them on? Mm, so the, the sort of standard sexual concerns, so um not feeling able to orgasm not being able to get an erection not being able or, or having challenges getting erections um ejaculating too quickly feeling um, not having that you're not having a healthy level of desire or as people would say libido um it's a very common one um so um those sort of standard ones and also just more general ones so for example just lacking in sexual confidence so, for example, coming out of a relationship and starting afresh and feeling um, uh, feeling sort of scared or anticipatory around that, um, coming out of um, uh, where sex has been a challenge before, then you're scared of starting a new relationship of how might that be, um, and or just sexual confidence from having a lack of education. And, and people often say to me, I don't know if my partner's enjoying it or not, but would never consider asking or don't have the language to ask in a way that fits with the it fits with the situation. Um, and so they don't have their sort of natural erotic vocabulary in place. Um, and then also things like intimacy, um, not being able, fear of intimacy, fear of being authentic in intimacy. Maybe per, people are used to performing, so they don't know how what's their authentic intimacy, and that can be very scary. Um, and then also pleasure. You know, so many people I work with are really busy lives, often living in lo- at least low levels of stress, if not medium levels of stress, very exhausted and tired don't allow themselves pleasure in their day-to-day lives. And if they don't allow themselves pleasure in the day-to-day, it's going to be very difficult to switch off and have pleasure in the bedroom. Um, and so they're, they're just proper workers in that sort of achieving mode and don't allow themselves relaxation and pleasure. So often helping people to learn how to relax and how to experience pleasure in their lives is a massive thing that I do as well. That's really interesting. And Would it be... Is there the link between, um, well, you, you said then the link between people not having, allowing themselves pleasure in their everyday activities. So is that something you would start with, with clients to bring that into their everyday lives and then it will um, naturally come more into the bedroom? Would that be the starting point? Absolutely. So one of the key things that I work with on all my clients is something called the performance to pleasure model. So how we learn to do sex is very goal-focused, and that can come from how we learn to masturbate, which is often getting to the the goal as quickly as possible. Or if you look at sex in the movies or in porn, it's like somehow successful sex equals that it finishes with some sort of penetration. And if it's, say, for example, a heterosexual relationship that the couple both have orgasms, 
the man has a solid erection and ejaculates, and ideally it all happens at the same time. And if all of that hasn't happened in the encounter, somehow we failed. Somehow we've not had proper sex. And it's so deeply ingrained, that performance model. And in that performance goal-based model comes a certain set of behaviours that we have around sex. So, for example, an assumption that our pleasure should always get more and more intense and hotter, for example. And actually, our pleasure naturally ebbs and flows. So, what? And if we're going for the goal... It's like when we go for the goal, we're not fully enjoying the journey because our, our our mind is always on what next to reach that goal. Am I getting them turned on enough? Am I turned on, on enough? And so a lot of inner dialogue. So this performance model also, a lot of people perform in a way that they think is expected of them rather than what feels natural and true to them. And so what I do is introduce the pleasure model. And the pleasure model is about just relaxing and enjoying pleasure, enjoying all the pleasure, whether it's a little bit of pleasure or a lot of pleasure, the ability to really savor it and not rush it. And that's core at the work that I do with all my clients. And that also extends to out the bedroom because so many people I work with struggle with relaxation and pleasure. And so it will look like, okay, what brings you pleasure in your life? How do you allow more of that? And also looking at what blocks that. So for example, guilt can be a common one, or they just don't know how to put themselves first. They're so used to um, doing stuff for other people before themselves, for example. So we look at the patterns that are in the way of them enjoying and experiencing pleasure as well. Um, because if, they, if, if, if it's happening in the rest of their life, it's going to make such a difference to explore it in the rest of their life. And then it's going to make it easier to introduce those new um, changes into the bedroom. Now, that is what we needed to learn at school in sex education. <laughs> That's so interesting hearing it put like that, the, the, that goal-orientated performance model, because I think so many people will resonate with that. And, if, and how empowering is it to take that away, to take that kind of end destination, like you said, away? So much of that fear... Um, and anxiety, which I imagine, I'm sure you could would be better, much better at answering this. That sex, um, sex sucks away from um, from so much pleasure, right? All that that fear and, and worrying about what you're doing and pleasuring and how pleasure, how much fun your uh, partner at the time is having. Absolutely, it changes everything, and it's not that it can't end in an ending like that, but actually. When I'm working with, for example, couples, it's like, what would it be like to have a, a, a session with penetrative sex where there is no goal of, there is no ejaculation and orgasm? If it happens, great. If it doesn't, it's still great. What would it be like to have a sexy time together that doesn't actually have to have penetration, but it still be um, a, a, a enough, a, a, like the full course? Because I think we see this word foreplay denotes that there's something before the main event. But actually, um, you know, I, I, so I take away that word foreplay and we just find a word like love play or erotic play because it's just about enjoying each other's bodies and being present to that rather than feeling we have to get to some goal. And it just changes everything. Um, and it's, you know, it's relevant not just for our, our sex lives, but also for our whole lives because we live in a culture you know, I was raised very much with the Protestant work ethic of, you know, you work really hard. And if you've got everything done, you can have Sunday off. And if you, you know, and then you just work hard all your life, you have a holiday and then you enjoy life when you retire. And it's like all of pleasure is postponed to the future. 
Um, and so it's a whole, it's, it's often a recalibration of how we live life because we live life in such a culture which is about achieving our goals. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a place for that. But when that's the only way, um, it becomes limiting and, and, and draining after a while. Mm, absolutely. I think that is such a helpful way of, of seeing it and thinking. And I really love that idea of taking away the end goal and that, that sort of exercise you encourage your clients to do with about um, what, what, would you, what would it be like? What would that play be like if, if it wasn't before something and removing the, the language? I think that's a really interesting um, and powerful technique that that I'm going to as well personally take forward to, to change, to shift language a little bit that we're using around, um, around our bodies and the, and the our kind of the play and the, the sexual encounters we're having. It's that sounds fun. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've kind of talked a little bit about um, how often, how fear inducing it can be um, uh, sex for people. And with that, comes a lot of internal dialogue and that sort of mental chatter that can be very triggering for anxiety and and um, making people kind of feel afraid and, and hold back perhaps. And um, I know that obviously with that comparison, comparing people, um, comparing themselves to others, perhaps to worrying about, I know I've had conversations with people where they're worrying about um, whether their partner's comparing them to say ex-partners and, and things like that. Do um, a lot of people come to you f- due to those feelings of um, anxiety around sex? And what are the things that can help people with this? Yeah, so I think, I mean, I get a mix. So anxiety can be one, fear, and then um, guilt and also shame. So shame of who they think they are as a sexual being or shame of things that have happened or just a sense of shame that they can't just relax and enjoy themselves. And I think, you know, when people come around this, I think what's really key is, is, you know, the biggest step is just actually asking for some support and and, and recognising this is something that you need to to work with. Because I think people bury it and think it will go away or um, they think they're making, you know, it's only them. So it can feel the fear of getting support. You know, I say to people, it's like they... I think their fear is that they come to see me and, and their worst fear is that I'll go, yes, you're right. No, it is what, what what's happened is not right or it's wrong or whatever, which obviously I would never do. But it's that fear of, you know, when often people say to me, am I normal? Is this normal? Is this fantasy normal? And, you know, I've never had to say it's not normal because there is no such thing as normal when it comes to human sexuality. So I think, you know, when people come to see me, there's so often level, different levels of fear of speaking or discomfort about speaking about this aspect of their lives. But always, as they start to talk about it, as they start to share things that have just been going round and round in their own minds, and they start to get different perspectives and insights, it's like, you know, it's like the valve on the push pressure cooker releasing. And it's like, oh, gosh, you know, sometimes people, I mean, I've had people say to me after a first session, I literally feel a million times better. Um, literally, and um, they look totally different when they when they leave the session because they can be carrying around these fears and guilts and shames and thoughts sometimes for years. And I think you know, so just it, it's that first step and 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 looking at this aspect of our lives because we think it's us that's wrong or done something wrong, and that actually when we take you know if if you look at your health or your relationships or your work, 
you're often constantly reflecting or reviewing. This is where I've come from. This is where I'm getting better. This is what I'd like to improve on. This is what I'd like to let go of and stop doing. So we might have, this is my vision for the future, but we don't tend to have that when it comes to sex. And so by spending time just looking at, who am I as a sexual being? Where have I come from? What's influenced me? Because when I get people to look at what's influenced them, that is such a revelation to think, oh my God, all these things happened. Because everybody's got stories to share about their sexual past. Um, there's always influences, whether it be from your family of origin, from partners, from the schools you went to, from the culture, um, from trauma, from you know, a whole host of different places. And then you start to find some compassion for yourself and some understanding, like, no wonder I don't feel like I can say what I want because I was never asked what I wanted in my home. I wasn't allowed to voice that, you know? So once we start to understand that, we can start to feel some relief and some release and then start to really connect to, well, what's really true for me? What do I want to create going forward? What do I want to learn? What lights me up? Um, so, um, you know, it's really the first step that's often the hardest. And then we start to unravel what it is they want and how to put that into practice and it's for me practices that are when i work with people it's sort of three different areas it's the coaching so it's undoing the beliefs and the myths that, that we might carry it's some education because there is so much to learn even basic stuff around our own anatomy and our own arousal and our own pleasure can be mind-blowing for people um there's so much to learn and then there's practices to put all that in place because that's where it comes alive that's where we can open um, our experience out with different ways of experiencing our sexual self different intimacy games different practices like for example one of my favorites for couples is genital massage so learning massage where it's not about the goal of reaching orgasm but it's a massage for pleasure and how we touch ourselves and everything changes. And it can be something that you can do again and again and isn't just an amazing practice. Yeah, those, those practical tips are like a really um, important part of it. Because I think, as it, I imagine it takes a lot of practice to kind of remove those um, the sort of learning patterns and thought patterns that we've all grown up with and had for, our, you know, perhaps our, our entire lives. Um, after acknowledging them, I think the fact that you were saying that you encourage people to look at and reflect upon where those beliefs have come from and why they're holding them from from their own experience is is hugely powerful. And I can see that that would be so transformative. And then those fun practical um, games. Do you have any other examples of those? I think those are, would be really helpful for the listeners. Yeah, and just to say on the practices that actually, you know, it can take time to unlearn the behaviours. But also for some people, it's just this immediate relief of, oh, my gosh, I don't need to. I, I can just be who I am in the moment and just feel and explore and play mm. rather than having to perform or having to strive for the goal. And sometimes for people, that is just instant transformation, just that. And I would say um, what's really important is our behaviors in our body. So, for example, when we're going for the goal, we often contract and tighten the body to get to the goal. We want to hold the pleasure in. We push it and we shallow breathe. We might hold our breath. We might become more rigid. And all of those patterns limit the pleasure in our bodies. So the pleasure model is much more about relaxation rather than contraction so that we take full deep breaths. We relax the tension in our body because 
It's like our arousal, if we're contracted, can't flow through our body and it stays very genitally focused. And then when we have an orgasm or ejaculation, if we do, it's over in seconds. Whereas if we can relax and breathe and let the arousal and pleasure feel it in all our, our bodies, um, explore pleasure in all aspects of our bodies, not just the primary erogenous zones. And we, you know, our bodies are like these musical instruments that we need to practice to play the incredible sounds that we can and the incredible depth and volume of sound we can. But instead, it's like we're often just playing one tune over and over again because we get stuck in ruts and it takes time to practice. So that time to just get curious. I mean, you know, I love the name of your podcast, The Curiosity Coach, because curiosity is one of the key things that I encourage my clients um, is to just get curious because, you know, if we, it's like you don't go into the same sandwich shop every day and ask for the same, exactly the same sandwich. I mean, you might do, but in the main, you tune in and go, oh, what would I like to eat today? Oh, I fancy this, I fancy salad, I fancy soup. And it's the same with our pleasure. What does your body want today? Is it feeling like very sensual and very subtle pleasure? Is it feeling more wilder and passionate? And just by tuning in and being really curious about your own pleasure, and if you're with a partner, your partner's pleasure, because obviously you can do all this on your own, and change, let go of how you normally touch each other, let go of what you normally do, and just get really playful and curious together, you know, that, that will open things up. So I encourage couples to just have time, or if you're on your own, just to explore your whole body not limit it to just the primary erogenous zones because the, the, there's many other sort of secondary and tertiary erogenous zones like the nape of the neck and the backs of the knees and what's it like to explore all of those and maybe taking turns and saying, right, let's let's look at your body and explore your body. And, you know, kissing, nibbling, licking, stroking, blowing, all these different ways that you can touch each other um, and just really play with that. So I you know, regularly get couples to sort of explore where the pleasure is in different parts of their body um, and not to assume that just because it was there last time it will be there next time i totally agree and i and i think the listeners are well versed now on the importance of curiosity and, and that invoking <laughs> that childlike playful state but this is just another reason of, of why it can be so transformative too to bring that about more and yeah i completely agree as you said the name of the, the podcast well, i talk about it often but it's so so powerful um i think what would um be really useful as well and and good fun is to bust some myths and what would you say in your opinion what do you see as the biggest myths that surround sex and pleasure and and can you kind of debunk those a little bit for us well, I think you know the biggest. I the biggest one is the one I've shared that successful sex has to equal orgasms and ejaculations and hard erections. I think you know that's a massive one, and that's why I bring in the, the pleasure model. I think also an assumption that it should just be easy and natural, and if it's not, there's something up. Um, because we don't have any practice time when it comes to this, so we just make these. Um, we think it should just be effortless, but we wouldn't expect, um, you know, if we go and do gym practice or yoga practice, there's days when it's effortless and there's other days when it's hard work and it's frustrating, but we still commit to it. And I think, you know, just that, that, that um, just because it's not easy some days doesn't mean there's anything wrong. It's just sometimes we just need to refine what we're doing or try different ways. Or, you know, for example, it may be, um, that um, 
uh, yeah, it's, 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 it, it, just because it's not easy and natural um, doesn't mean there's anything wrong necessarily. And I think this is what it's, sorry, winding back, this assumption that we should know what our partner wants and our partner should know what we want is a massive assumption that is a big, big myth. And again, you know, that if we are in love or if we're good lovers, that we should just know what our partners want. And that is just rubbish. You know, again, I wouldn't go to a restaurant with my partner and expect them to choose my dinner for me. So why would I expect them to know what my pleasure is like? And I think we can learn about each other's pleasure. So there's a level of knowing, but never to let that knowing turn into assumptions, which is what happens and handing over our responsibility to our partner for our pleasure. You know, our pleasure is our own responsibility. And if we get to know our bodies and our pleasures, and then we come together with a partner who knows their body and pleasure, and we're able to share that knowledge together, but also be curious and open to new discoveries because there's a a uniqueness of the alchemy that happens, then that's again where more magic can happen. So I think that's a a sort of a a, a really um, big myth as well. Um, and then I think there's all sorts of other other myths like um, uh, that sex should be telepathic as part of that as well. Like we should just speak to each other. We should just intuitively know what the other wants. And again, there can be times where that happens. But there's also times when we do need to know and not make assumptions. Um, so if you're not sure if your partner's enjoying something and they're not giving any maybe nonverbal feedback, then it's absolutely fine to check in and say, would you like that? Um, uh, sorry, would you like that? Is how are you enjoying that, or how does that feel? Um, because by checking in, we also build communication to say, actually, I'd love to try it a little bit more this way. Because giving that feedback can often be tricky for couples and get triggering and feel like they're being critical or different things can happen. And so, um, helping people to find that language to say, actually. If I'm adjusting my pleasure, if I just like you to go a tiny bit slower, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means that I know my body really well and I just know that I think that that little bit slowing down can make all the difference. And so when couples start to explore communication as well, that blows their minds. The amount of people I work with who who think that communication is something up if we're communicating with each other. Um, So encouraging that communication is really important. And that's where practice time comes in, because if you're doing practice time, you're both learners together. okay? and when you're both learners together, it takes away the performance pressure and you can just practice communicating and practice. How does that feel? That feels great. Let's try it. It helps to practice curiosity as well. So I think that's another big myth um, and um, that, that I see makes a huge difference. Um, And also that, you know, for example, I mean, there's so many of them, things like when it comes to male bodies, that a man has to have an erection for it to be, for him to be experiencing pleasure is another massive myth. Men can experience great pleasure without erections and also erections naturally ebb and flow. So, um, you know, that that's a big myth that I see a lot of. Um, and also for especially the women I work with, it's very much they, 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 their pleasure is about the other person um, and it should be about pleasing the man. And it's amazing how many women still think that. And again, so helping women to re, especially to find out what they really want and how to own that and to share that. Um, so there's some of the sort of the key, key myths that I, I see in sort of on an absolutely day to day basis. Key for those, I think there's 
going to be so much that people can take away from that. And I especially love what you said about the fact that we wouldn't expect or want our partner to order dinner for us when we're out in a restaurant. So, of course, we we need to um, open up those avenues of communication and, and practice expressing what it is that we want. I think that that really sums it up really, really nicely. What would be then if you could um, sort of encapsulate your biggest bit of advice for the listeners? What would that be? What would my biggest bit of advice be? I think I think the, the, the key thing is, is to really have some time to get to know your body, your pleasure, what it is that you really like and what it is that you want to explore, what it is you want to learn about and really create create time for that because there really is, you know, if you, you know, wherever you are in your journey with like practices of whether it's playing a musical instrument or, or learning a sport, there's always more to learn. And I think, you know, bringing that learner's mindset with that curiosity um, changes everything um, and, and just opens it up. And it can just be really brave to actually say that to my part, to your partner. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm feeling things are a bit stuck. Can we can we explore something different? Or I'm not, you know, I've worked with many people where they've come to me around low desire, but they're just actually bored. And so I think, you know, really owning that there's so much to learn in this area of our life. Um, and then the second thing is, is absolutely the performance to pleasure to really let go of the goal um, because it just, it, it, if we put the goal in all the time, we're programming ourselves to go for a specific place and with that, a specific set of behaviours and that's where it becomes routine. And there's nothing wrong with going for the goal. There may be times where we just want to go rip each other's clothes off, go for that goal. But if that's the only way we experience our pleasure, it becomes very limited. Mm-hmm. Mm, absolutely. I love what you said. So you touched upon it there. Again, the idea that you mentioned earlier about the fact that our bodies are like musical instruments. I think that's a really beautiful um, way of looking at it and that you need to practice in mm. order to play beautiful music. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you tell about? Can you tell us about? I like to ask um, all all our guests on the Curiosity Club a time when things perhaps didn't go quite to plan, and and that you perceived as a failure in inverted commas, and the lessons that you learned from it. Yeah. Well, I think there's been so many times, and I think for me, what the biggest lesson I've learned is I love that saying: "There's no failure, only feedback." And, you know, that we can't actually fail or get anything wrong because we'll learn every time. And I think that mindset was has been such a shift for me. Um, but I think, you know, one of the biggest times was my sexual journey because I thought I was such a failure. I thought that, you know, I should just be successful at sex and that when I wasn't, um, I was just, you know, that sense of failure was so huge. Um, but... You know, because of that, I just kept I kept going to personal development workshops and just realizing nowhere was mentioning sex like it just wasn't around 15 years ago in the same way as it is now. Um, But actually, and that was because of the failure became the fear. And it was where I, you know, that 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 saying around going where the fear is, is where you need to go for me was so true. Um, by facing the fact that I owning up that I, I was having a problem with this, owning up I was struggling, owning up I didn't know what to do was, you know, a massive catalyst and door opener. And my life and my sex life has, has transformed beyond what I could ever, ever, ever imagine possible. So um, I think I think what I learned from that is that um, the, a big thing I learned from that is, is that the fear is, is that 
huge thing that you create in your mind that's actually much, much worse than the actual reality of it. And by stepping into it and doing something about it, um, it, it that's the hardest step. And then it made me realize I can do so much more and, and it opened the doors to me taking risks and, in, in so much other aspects of my life as well. Mm, mm, thank you for sharing that. I think that reiterates um, nicely um, everything you said with your work and working with clients to be open and honest about what's happening um, for you and, and the connection between how things are showing up for you around sex and how perhaps things are that's connected to other areas of your, li- yeah. your life. It sounds like that your work sort of did really stem from your personal experience there. Absolutely. So th- thank you so much. I think the listeners are going to take have so many empowering takeaways from from your insights within this episode. I'm very excited to share it with everyone. Can you um, finish off by telling us where we can connect with you and find more about your work? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. So um, on my website is www.sarahrosebright.com. And so that's Sarah with an H, roses in the flower, bright as in the sunshine, um, dot com. And if you go to my newsletter, um, you can sign up to my newsletter, which I'm just getting all changed because I'm going to, in 2020, uh, at least once a month, I'm going to be releasing on YouTube and via my newsletter some really great content, just sharing some fabulous bits of information like this that, like somebody said to me the other day, you share things with me that I didn't even realize I didn't know and I didn't, and that I needed to know and just sharing some great stuff. So I really encourage you to sign up to my newsletter, subscribe to my YouTube channel. I've also got an Insta page and at Sarah Rose Bright, YouTube Sarah Rose Bright, and also um, Facebook business page at Sarah Rose Bright Sex Coach. Um, so please connect with me. And also if there's any questions you've got from today, um, please just get in touch after you've listened to this because this area is such a rich and, and, and potent area of your life. So I really encourage you to, to, to make contact um, and take some steps forward with it. Thank you so much for being a wonderful guest, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a rating and review and share with friends, families and colleagues. Until next time, stay curious.